Hey, Chesky. So we're finally both together in the land of Israel. Oh, my in goodness. In the Holy Land. Smack um, in the middle of Bethlehem. Yeah. Area so, A. So, so um, today's show is going to be a little bit interesting because it's being recorded at like different times throughout the day. Um, we're going to have uh, Governor Huckabee on, um, Nicole Miliotakis, who's running in the Staten Island, Brooklyn uh, district for Congress. We're going to have also um, Nick Langworthy, who's the new New York GOP chair, who's on, you know, people that don't know, I'm the executive director of Chovet Zion. Um, Chesky is the president, and we bring these trips of, you know, VIPs uh, to Israel. And our trip right now, we have many Christians with us, and they wanted to visit Bethlehem. So um, we have now in Bethlehem, you know, we, we are not going into the church. We are staying here on the bus. But it's interesting, you know, people like Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, you know, Rashida Tlaib lived here. She, she grew she, up in Ramallah? Or no, Bethlehem? no, her family. Her family is from the Palestinian Authority territory. Because uh, they're not from Palestine. Palestine never existed. Right. So, lo- they're locals. So they're locals. I'm wondering, actually, probably, but, what, what do you think uh, her tribe would be? We have to find that out. Talib. We have to ask Mordechai Kedar. He yes, would he know. would probably know. And it's interesting, because they talk about that, you know, Israel is a, a um, apartheid state. It's interesting. I've been all over Israel, and I've seen Muslims all over Israel. They wear whatever they want. Some wear kafiyas, some have their bare head, some wear jeans. And I'm talking about the women. Some wear jeans, some wear the long dress, some have the some full face veil, some wear burqas. And we just entered Bethlehem, and what did we have to do? Tell we everybody. To, we have to take off our yarmulkes. The most amazing. I, I, I don't think I ever, I've never Nahmed had to take. just shushed me. Because, because <laughs> our, our, our doors are open on the bus, so we have to be a little bit careful about what we're saying here. Oh, they're closed now? Okay, good. So, so the doors are closed. We have to be very careful. Um, as far as Bethlehem, the people are concerned. We're all Christians on this bus. So we all had to take, you know, we have a few Orthodox Jews. We all had to take off our yarmulkes. Um, we're staying on the bus because, you know, this, where we had pulled into is an active um, um, church. And some, some Orthodox Jews have the custom to not go into churches. Um, um, uh, and um, By the way, you know, it just occurred to me, just this crazy thought. You realize that we're right now in the middle of a Palestinian Authority-controlled territory? Correct. And what's interesting is, is that the entire Christian world started supposedly on the spot that we are now parked on. This is the Church of the Nativity. And for what I understand, a bunch of Tunisians came and took over this area, and they basically ethnically cleansed the Christians Christians who lived here. Right. So, So you want to talk about apartheid. Forget apartheid. We're talking, we're talking, we're talking, you, you want to talk about concentration camps uh, and, and Nazi behavior. I'm pretty sure ethnically cleansing people is a lot more Nazi-esque than um, putting a holding center for uh, transient migrants from four countries away that come through your southern border. You know, we just visited Yad Vashem. You weren't able to come with us. But, you know, we had Nicole Meliotakis, who's going to be running, as I said. You know, we're going to talk to her a little bit later. And she saw for the first time, she's never, she never knew what a concentration camp was. She, she knows what it was, but she never knew what it was. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I watched her. She was getting emotional. The, the, the people that were seeing it for the first time, when you see that carving out of what Auschwitz looked like, you cannot be emotionally um, um, unaffected, which is why we just called Unless you know, your name Twitter. is Ilhan Omar. And we just called for AOC and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and the rest of the cabal. I mean, it would be nice if Max Rose, as a Jew, would come here and maybe see and maybe learn that he should speak out against the anti-Semitism in his conference. Fat chance. Fa- absolutely a fat chance. It's, it's, um, 
it's absolutely a disgrace that we have a, 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 a Jew in, in, in... One Jew? I mean... We it, have it, many Jews yeah, in Congress but, and in the Senate... Correct. ...who are not willing to call these people out for what they are. I mean, some and have, some have, but have most, ha- most have not. Most yet, have and, not. And guess what? Another thing that... And really the most powerful of them all have not. That's the problem. And now, I wonder if they're going to, when they're going to come out with this um, bill to condemn the president for his tweets the other Which, day. Which, I mean, if I, when I read them, I'm going to be honest with you. You know what I thought they meant? They should go back to Dearborn, New York City, and, 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 um, uh, and, 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 um, uh, and uh, where's the third one from? I mean, these cities are all... In the the president... Drug, you got AOC, whose cities have the lights being turned off. Let me ask you a question, Dearborn has a murder rate Israeli and a rape rate. The Israeli government actually has a policy that if you're Jewish and you support BDS, you don't have the right of return. If Correct. If you're a Jewish activist and you come here and you are an if not now or you're in JV, And I agree with it. And I agree with it. So I was thinking to myself, if I agree with that policy, how could I not agree with the president's but then again, tweets? But then again, Israel, but then again, Israel also allows terrorists into the Knesset. So it's a little bit of a strange no, no, and, and, and dichotomy. I guess, I guess, but listen, at the end of the day, the president has not done an executive order where they're taking Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar and shipping them back off to the countries of their origin. Well, or states of their origin. Or, so or, most, or, three or, of the four or were born here. Or at least like, he hasn't like, done an executive order to strip them of their, right. of I their honestly congressional don't, duties. I don't, I mean, outside of Ilan Omar, the rest of them are Americans. Rashida Tlaib was born in America. Listen, you know, the only thing that she I She talks about her Palestinian... I mean, it's funny. more than her The American only reason why she can pride. pronounce Palestine is because she actually grew up in America. If she grew up in the West Bank, she would say Palestine like her parents do. That's true. But on top of that, the fact that she can only talk about Palestine and how badly she wants to go back with a congressional delegation but can't ever talk about what makes America great besides It's funny, she talks about it, but she actually hasn't come back. Well, I just saw today a report that they actually... Um, the group that was organizing it just pulled out, so the whole thing is in question. She's claimed. She's I don't believe go. it was ever going to happen. I, I think the whole thing was a farce because if she wanted, if I'm not mistaken, J Street is here coming now. She could have come on the J Street. I mean, oh, she's J Street a, is here now. J Street's either either I, I know that they're going to be at in Hebron in Hebron um, in the next few days because uh, yesterday we uh, went to Hebron with um, with uh, Yishai Fleischer. with Yishai Fleischer who people don't know who Yishai Fleischer is I'm going to give him a little bit of a plug he is one of the greatest the way, tzaddikim in the world today he's going to get soon uh, God willing we're going to work on it that he's going to get a nice big American audience soon yes because this is a man who lives and sleeps Hebron Hebron he is the spokes you want to talk about people have he is the greatest spokesman in the world and I'm going to tell you why Cheski you know this he is the spokesperson for Adam Eve, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rivka, Rebecca. Um, uh, hold on one second. We're being paused. We're staying on the bus. We're staying on the bus. Yes. Can we get a drink? Are we allowed to get a drink? No. <laughs> What? It's the water, yeah. Yeah, we have water. Okay, great. So there's on the bus water. All right, so on the bus we have water. Um, sorry for this like disjointedness, but this is this is what happens when you do your show from a tour. Um, no, but this is cool. I like yeah, the this is this is the this is a, this yeah, is a podcast. This is, this this is, is a not podcast. a radio show, right? So just w- our driver just <laughs> said that we're basically gonna leave now. We're going to leave this where we let everybody off, and we're going to the parking lot. So he didn't realize we were staying on the bus. So so it's interesting. 
Um, J Street is definitely going to be here, but what we were talking about, he's, he, he is the spokesperson. This, this, you know, he is the spokesperson for Adam and Eve and the, and the three forefathers of the Jewish people and the four, four, you know, the four matriarchs of the Jewish people. Um, you know, he, he is the spokesperson for Hebron. And in Hebron, the um, Herod's building of what we call the Ma'aras Hamachpela, the cave of the patriarchs and matriarchs, that's where that sits. It's actually the only Herodian building that is entirely uh, still kept in its original uh, condition. Um, the, um, after, after Herod, it was never destroyed. And the Crusaders, when they came, they kept it in pristine condition. So did the Mamelukes, and then again the Crusaders and the Ottomans. So you know, you you know, uh, when you go to the old city and you go to the Kotel, to the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, um, and you t- walk on those stones, if you go to the Kotel Tunnel, those are stones that they've uncovered. And it you know, it took a lot of excavation. And you saw that David Friedman just recently you know broke through that you know that fake was wall. Nice. You know, and and those were the steps that Herod built. But those steps were under, for 2,000 years, have been under um, dirt and rubble. These stones that you're walking on are the same 2,000 years, same carvings, same style, but people have been walking on them ever since. You know, it's very, it's very possible that Jesus went there because these were the same matriarchs and patriarchs of Jesus. Um, so, so, you know, bringing Christians there, we, you know, all our Christian listeners should absolutely make their way to Hebron um, and, and, and see the cave of the patriarchs and the so matriarchs. So for some of our listeners, what is J Street? So J Street is was the Obama answer to APAC. Um, the they're left, not that different, though. The, they're, they're, well... At least to my, from my perspective. But f- it could from be my perspective, hawkish. they may even be a little bit better on their trips, which is what's interesting. Their work in America is definitely worse. They fight against Israel when it comes to funding. Do they push they, progressive stuff? Yes, also? they push a lot of progressiveness, but their biggest pro- the biggest problem of, of J Street, of course, as you know, is their college campus... Uh, yeah, material. J Street U is pretty J Street crazy. U is where If Not Now came out of. We yes. found this out last week on our podcast. Um, I didn't know that, but it seems that that's where she got her training, the, the yes. founder of If Not Now. Um, so it, it's a nefarious organization in the United States. When they take the congressional districts, what's interesting, what's interesting is that, um, what's interesting is that J Street actually brings the congressional members to to see to the, see the, the uh, what we uh, call the West side. Bank, right? You know where we had to take our yarmulkes off in Area A, um, and what was quite interesting was that that um, the APAC does not. APAC does go into what we call the West Bank, what we call Yehuda and Shamon, Judea and where Samaria. Where Okay, let's let's break this down. They where go, does APAC go, and where does J Street? As go? far as I know, H, APAC only goes. To, um, the, Israel proper to to, to, to Israel proper to to, to 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 the pre forty eight pre sixty seven border. They Israel. do go. They do go. I think to the U S embassy now, which technically is on the other side of the green line. Okay. Okay. They go to the embassy. APAC? I think so. I'm not one hundred percent sure. Oh, that's right. Because so. APEC brings a because lot of they congressmen have to, because they have to meet the ambassador. Right. And they bring all um, the congressmen there. They bring the congressmen. It's hot. Um, they bring the ambassador. Um, I think they actually go to the PLOs, the PA, which is on the other side. Um, okay. You know, Chesky's taking a drink of water, but he had to put his yarmulke on, so we're going to do this quickly um, while no one's noticing. There we go. All right. Now it can come off again. Um, you know, 
I could be like Jason Greenblatt. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's probably one of the reasons. These are the reasons these why the reasons, you, people ask why some of our, you know, you know, Jewish leaders have to not wear their yarmulkes when they do their job. And this is the reason. Yeah, because they, they cannot. People judge you differently. They, people judge you differently. And, and here, they'll kill you. Yeah. See, yeah, they this, here, they'll kill us. So, so God forbid, if the people outside knew that there were four Orthodox Jews sitting on a bus right now. Um, we'd be surrounded we, within minutes. We would be surrounded in minutes. They think that we are Christians right now. Um, including the bus driver, from what I understand. What? I think the including the bus driver. The bus, the bus driver, driver is. I, I'm I'm pretty sure, but I think he's a dual national. I think he has American uh, uh, American passport, or or maybe a, a, a another. Uh, he might be a Moroccan or or, or um, Syrian Jew, so he may have a, a dual passport. Um, yeah. Yeah, and also, if people knew who I was. Yes, if they knew the there was a, if they knew that there was a Moskowitz. I'm, I'm going a little bit lower here. I'm moving the mic next to my face. If they knew there was a Moskowitz in here. Because the entire Bethlehem, including the Christians, would come here to probably crucify him. So this is why what we're doing here, I, I know it sounds like, you know, oh, yeah, we, we're, but the, the Moskowitz family has multiple fatwas against it because of the, of the great work they do in Jerusalem and the, what we call the Holy Basin, what they call the, the, the Silwan, which is the, if people that have been in Jerusalem, it's if you go... Um, you know, to Ir David, it's the slope that goes down and then the slope that goes back up to the right of, of um, Harazesim. Um, and it goes up and around to, uh, it's called Malizesim, is that? Mm-hmm. Malizesim. Um, so um, we are now in Bethlehem. We are going to, to in, we're going to have on soon um, Governor uh, Mike Huckabee, who is, I think it's his 60 or 70 something trip. Fifth this year. Eleventh with Joe Frager. Eleventh, eleventh with Joe Frager and and our organization Chovavetzion, um, and which is we will affiliated with the Young Israel. Which is yeah, we're affiliated with the National Council of Young Israel, and um, so we're happy to be here from Israel, and uh, we're, we'll speak to you soon. Hi, Governor. How are you today? Doing very well. Great Welcome to be to back Israel. in Israel. So this is your fifth time this year, I heard. That's right. That's pretty amazing. Well, I think uh, most years, for the past few years, I've been here four or five times a year. So uh, the Prime Minister told me that if I keep coming back, he's going to make me start paying income tax in Israel. So I may start curtailing my number of trips. Well, the truth is the amount of um, money they save in (laughs) pro-Israel advocacy, they should be paying you. Uh, some, something, you know, like a little honorary that. or, or something that. next time he says <laughs> that, exactly. So I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions. First of all, this is um, number what trip of yours with Dr. Joe Frager? Just with Joe, I've probably done uh, 11 trips. 11 trips? Yeah, I think so. That's amazing. Yeah, every year that I can recall since 2008. And then uh, I don't know how many total times I've been here. I mean, I bring groups here several times a year, and then I come several times a year either to speak or uh, be a part of some delegation of some kind, and I've lost track of how many times I've actually been to Israel. It's, it's so do you, feel, do you feel like there's like a unique element to Joe's trips that don't exist in other trips, like that something stands out? I, I think the most important thing is that we always try to see some of the sites that are very, very uh, valuable and, and special, not just to the Jewish constituency, but really to, to showcase how one-sided the world sees Israel. 
and unfortunately course. how one-sided they see them in a negative way. And I'll give you a few examples. When we go to Hebron, yeah. and you see firsthand that it's uh, a fragile situation, and it shouldn't be. The Oslo Accords made it very clear that there was to be total open access to Jewish holy sites, Christian holy sites. Of course. Well, there's not. When we went to the tomb of Joseph in Shechem, our modern-day Nablus, uh, we had to go at 2 in the morning with military escort. We had to wait outside the city while the military cleared a path through burning tires. I was there with you. You were there. Remember that you time? We were in oh, yeah. the bus. They were, that it was, was crazy. It was just incredible. And that was a great stark reminder that I've been able to tell people, here were a group of Jewish people simply wanting to go to the tomb of Joseph, one of the patriarchs, to pray. Right. But it required essentially going in um, under heavy artillery Pretty much, to be yeah. able to do that. Now, why is that? You know, when people talk about, well, the Israelis are not very nice and kind to the Palestinians, I'm thinking, seems like they're pretty open when I go to the Temple Mount. They have no problem going to their holy sites, but we sure have problems as Christians or as Jews going to sites that are special and precious to us. Did you just see that clip of that Christian who was trying to pray on Temple Mount and the walk kicked him off of Temple Mount? Did you just see that clip? I did not, but I have it does show not it surprise you. me. It's not at all. crazy. Um, I have a couple questions for you. If you if I ask you a question that you, you don't feel comfortable to answer, then just tell me we'll talk about it a different time, okay? <laughs> I'm never going to run for anything again, right. so I can be exactly. much freer in my no, answers No, for sure. <laughs> I just... I, this, as, as the, for the viewers, they should know, this is not a premeditated um, conversation, so hmm. we didn't actually coordinate the questions. But right. I have some That's questions correct. for you. Okay. If, if you don't want to state anything, it's fine also. Okay. No, no judgment. All right. Okay? Okay, so first of all, um, you have your daughter just completed her uh, wonderful service to our country as the press secretary, yeah. correct? Um, and people are talking about how there's a possibility that she would run for governor. You think that's a real possibility? I think it is. Uh, she's definitely not made a decision yet. She's simply trying to kind of decompress from what's been a very intense period of her life. I can't, I can't even and, imagine. Yeah, but she's loved it. And, and, you know, it's so important for me to say how much she loves this president, how loyal she is to him, how she will be very active in his campaign, and how she resents so much when people say things about him or the administration that she, above all people, know to be untrue. A good example, uh, people can say whatever they want to about the president. Right. He has treated my daughter with nothing but the highest level of respect and Naturally. dignity. And all I can say is that as a dad, if he hadn't have, uh, I, I'd have certainly let him know. So, I, well, I saw you have special access because when we were together at the faith, um, faith, bre the, what was it again? The prayer of breakfast. Remember, yeah. they were together at the White House for that right. dinner. Yeah. And I was so jealous when Sarah grabbed you and took you behind the veil, so to speak. <laughs> and I was like the rest of the commoners had to go walk out of the White House, ushered out by the Marines or whatever they were. And that must be like special to have that kind of level of access while your daughter was there. Tell us a little bit about how that was. Well, it was uh, obviously nice to be able to uh, pretty much go to the White House at will. But I, I, I never exploited it or took advantage of it because I felt like that she had a job she needed to do. And I never wanted to uh, interfere, interrupt, or 
in any way. I never asked her to do something for me that I would not have asked any other White House staffer. And in fact, in some cases, when I actually needed to get a message, I wouldn't go through her. I would go through someone else at the White oh, really? House. Just because I didn't want to put her on the spot, spot and, take and make her feel that, oh, my dad is asking, I got to do it. Right. So, uh, you know, I try to be very respectful of, of the position she held and, and not uh, put her in an uncomfortable position. Speaking of the president, I can imagine that he's really loved in the evangelical community, just like he's really a superstar in the Jewish Orthodox community. Yeah. I don't know if you saw there was an Ami poll, which is a weekly uh, weekly magazine, where the president's like approval rating in the Orthodox Jewish community was at like 93%. And what's wrong with the other 7%? What are we going to do with him? Good question. <laughs> we're, we're, what, what was interesting about that poll was that even though it was a 93% approval rating, he only had an 88% vote rate. So about 5% of the population liked what he was doing, but still would not switch to vote for a Republican. There's a lot of people yeah. out there who are not willing to make that switch for a lot of different reasons. I mean, some of them are like this virtual signaling, like especially you'll find this by like really religious people that like they can't handle the president's demeanor, that they just don't get that it's all a show just to trigger liberals. So they take it so seriously that they're like, oh, I'm a religious person, I can't handle it, you know? Um, one of the things that obviously is getting a lot of heat right now is the president's tweets yesterday yeah. about how they, how the congresswomen should be going back to the countries that they came from. I personally, just to tell you my view before you give me your view on this, I personally think that, first of all, I have two things, comments to say. Number one, as you probably know, Israel actually has a policy that those who promote BDS are boycotted from entering this country, even if they're Jewish and they have a right to return. Jewish activists who promote BDS and hurt Israel's interests are not allowed to come into Israel. And if they come to the airport, they'll be turned away. That's just the way it works. Mm -hmm. This is Israel's policy. And honestly, if, and from my perspective, if you have Israelis who are in Israel and they're promoting such, such, such agendas and are hurting Israel, the Israeli government should be looking of, of ways to strip them of their citizenship because at the end of the day, they're hurting Israel. Now, as an American, and by the way, I'm more than, a, I'm already a sixth or seventh generation American, by the way. I just found yeah. this out through Ancestry, which was pretty amazing. I, I have, one of my ancestors is this uh, Major Louis Bogan, who was a Senate clerk in 17, in 17, uh, 80, some, 86. Wow which is going back really far yeah. back. And I feel the same way as the president did, and I think that he did it half-jokingly to just point, make a fact, to point out the, the, the reality that these women who, are, who took an oath to protect our country and to stand strong in protection of the values of, of America, the Judean Christian values that we hold dear, and to protect the Constitution, have done nothing but push an, uh, an agenda that runs counter to everything that we believe in. And what exactly are they here for? Why are all these people coming here to our country, not to Israel, but coming to the United States? And when they're here in the United States, they're just pushing an agenda that is counterproductive to American nationalism and its aspirations and rights to self-determination as a sovereign nation. So the president was making a point, and all of the quote-unquote outrage that is going on over there is completely the mis missing the point from my perspective of what the president was trying to make like clear with his tweets 
And I was curious how you felt about those as well. Let's be clear. No matter what the president tweets, his enemies are going to find something wrong with it. Of course. I, I looked at it and, and said, I know exactly what he was saying. Yeah. Uh, I, I know that they capitalized on the term go back when three of the four Congress He did not people, mean he, that. Well, you know, some of them were born, three of four were born here. So, But even the point, and I think his, his greater uh, message. Why couldn't it just be that they should go back to Dearborn and fix Dearborn? Um, what I was saying was that yeah. the, the biggest point he's making is if you don't like America, if you don't think this country is a great place to live, why would you want to govern it? Exactly. And if it's that bad, uh, if it's not so much go back, but pick a country, any country in the world you think would treat you better, give you a greater level of opportunity, and uh, we'll be happy to pay your way. Good Look, luck. Look, Ilan Omar, she's a refugee who came to the United States as a refugee. And instead of being grateful for the opportunity that was given to her, where instead of her being in a situation in Somalia where she could have been murdered or who knows what else, yeah. God forbid, instead she had dignity and a right to pave her own way and end up a congresswoman. And instead of her actually appreciating that, all she does is use her chair in the Foreign Affairs Committee to trash the United States and to question the Trump administration's excellent foreign policy. And also to uh, engage in some incredible anti-Semitic language, for which she has never been held accountable. So I don't, I don't understand why Nancy Pelosi and other of the self-righteous, including some self-righteous Republicans who've been critical of the president, yeah. I cannot understand why they turned their heads and looked the other way when clearly anti-Semitic language is used by Congresswoman uh, Omar. Uh, but somehow Trump tweets out something and everybody goes ballistic. And, and he's going to get now condemned in Congress, according to what they're planning on doing. Which is absurd. Yeah. Utterly absurd. I mean, you, you have a congressman in, in New York City, Max Rose, a Democrat, and this guy won't say a thing about the anti-Semitism. He, he has one of the largest Jewish um, congressional districts now. I mean, after Nadler, another one who hasn't said anything. These, these Jewish Democrats, they just will not stand up to these four junior Congress members. They, they used to, we know, we just left Yad Vashem, and, um, you know, we saw what a real concentration camp look, looks like with gas ovens in them to stick people in. I'm pretty sure we don't have that on our southern border. Well, it, again, it's just a great tragedy, and it's something I hope that a lot of people will start recognizing. Anti-Semitic language is the underpinning between activity that ultimately would seek to destroy uh, Jewish people, and it can never be acceptable. A hundred percent. And speaking of that, just we have a couple more seconds. The the main the main uh, the main question that I the main question that I have right now is we're talking about how we have to do everything we can to keep keep Jews safe, and one of the things that I believe would put Jews tremendously in danger and also would hurt. U.S. interests in the region is a two-state solution, which Obama pushed very heavily. Mm -hmm. And even now, you see within the Democrats out of the aisle, they're pushing really heavily. I heard, and I've seen Jason and um, Greenblatt and Ambassador David Friedman both spoke about how the president is open-minded about promoting Jewish sovereignty and allowing Israel to annex large parts of Judea and Samaria. Is that have you ever had the opportunity to speak to the president or other U.S. officials to get a better idea of what that means? Or at least you, you know, can say we've what had you the conversations, and uh, 
you know, I wouldn't want to reveal the contents of them because I always right. consider that's not appropriate to right, uh, discuss a private conversation. I can only speak from my own perspective, which I've said for many times. This is a land that belongs to Israel, and it has for 3,800 years. There should not be um, any sense of trepidation about declaring that land with its proper ownership. And I know that that would be outrageous to many people in the world, but it, it should be acceptable simply because it's, uh, it's, it's appropriate. It's their land, and uh, it's never been a, a capital for another people. And quite frankly, the settlement of it is, is pretty, pretty solid. So, but a lot of people keep on asking the same question. And I've heard this many times, even on, obviously on the Hill, from some of the strongest friends of the Jewish people. What do you do with the Palestinians? And I personally feel that you don't really do anything with them. You try to figure out ways where they can be incorporated into a greater Israeli society. What do you feel about that? Basically, the sovereignty movement is yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, of about. course. We just we start speaking about it. I, one of the uh, dilemmas is, do they want to live in Israel? If that's they do, point. then uh, that's fine. They should have the opportunity to declare Israel as their home. But that means they would have the expectation to be loyal to the state of Israel um, and not to try to, to undermine it or its government and to respect it. But also give it an opportunity if they chose that they could not live in Israel and they didn't want to be under Israeli law and under Israeli protection, uh, then give them a right of passage to um, another part. Yeah, Jordan would be a, a, a logical mean, place, even though the Jordanians don't want them. Uh, they've never wanted them. No one wants them. But the basic point that I've tried to make to people, Israel owns and, and controls one six hundred and fortieth the landmass that Arab countries and Muslim-controlled countries control. To ask Israel to give up its tiny bit of land um, and to ask nothing to be given up on the part of those who are supposedly their cousins, it simply makes no sense whatsoever. So if there's a two-state solution, let the Saudis, the Emiratis, the Qataris, the Jordanians, the Syrians uh, come to that place of of believing that we're going to carve out some property for them. And I believe that, by the way, Trump... I just wanted to say, like, you know, you've been in Israel many times. Do you ever see an apartheid state? I mean, we, we are right now in Area A. We just drove into Beth Bethlehem, to Beislechem, and, you know, where most of Jewish history started, and we had to take our yarmulkes off. Right now there is a tour guide who is saying a couple words. So we'll hopefully catch up with the governor soon. But governor, thank you for speaking to us today. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. So, hi, everybody. We're here with Nicole Meliotakis. She's a assemblywoman from Staten Island and southern Brooklyn. She's here in Israel. Um, we just finished um, going to the uh, Ein Gedi Masada Dead Sea region. Um, she went earlier today with us to Yad Vashem. And uh, she's been with us throughout this trip in Eretz Yisrael, in the land of Israel. And uh, we're here to talk to her about, you know, what she's seen and, and her thoughts and feelings about being here for the first time in the Holy Land. So, Nicole, how do you, how do you find this trip? 
it's uh, well, it's very enlightening. It's uh, a wonderful experience to be here and in person. Obviously, um, you know, just as a, an American student, read so much about Israel growing up, and as an elected official, um, I have a, a large Jewish constituency. And so it's um, very interesting to see the issues, not only the historical sites, the holy sites, um, the incredible biblical history, but also to see uh, the current events and see firsthand. Um, I'm very impressed. First, let me start with my first impressions. When I came off the plane, just being so impressed, number one, with the airport, uh, how advanced it is, uh, particularly compared to our New York airports and the need, as, as as we have said, to modernize and um, bring our airport uh, network into the 21st century. But you come to uh, Israel and Tel Aviv, you're very impressed as soon as you get off the plane. Um, Then the infrastructure, the roads, there are hardly any potholes uh, from the airport to the hotel. um, And it was very impressive. Uh, But, you know, more importantly, um, you know, New York has had a longstanding relationship uh, between, you know, with our city in Tel Aviv, and so to see, um, you know, firsthand uh, Tel Aviv is, was beautiful. Now, uh, I'll, I'll say that, you know, not only is it an um, economic relationship and an educational relationship, we have the university, uh, we have Technion from Tel Aviv and Cornell University have a partnership in Roosevelt Island, um, but also it's the, the military relationship, the security relationship. Um, and so I think we, we touched on a lot of that during this trip. Uh, Jerusalem is incredible. Uh, to go to the holy site, to um, go pray at the Western Wall, you know, those are dreams come true. Um, felt very, very spiritual moment for me, a very um, blessed moment for me. You also went to Bethlehem. Maybe you want to talk to a little Bethlehem. bit about that? Yes, and, see, and in fact, we've, we've actually jammed a, a lot into this, this short trip because this is, I think, our second day. Or, or, well, third half, third yeah. day, um, but we've jammed a lot in it. So we did go to uh, Bethlehem. We saw the birthplace of Jesus Christ. So for me as a Christian, that was very um, important for me. Uh, it was very interesting to see that uh, in Bethlehem, there is a, a Greek Orthodox population. Uh, very fact, small, much smaller than it used to be. Smaller, but it but it's there. And in fact, the... Uh, Church of the Nativity, which is a site where Jesus Christ was uh, born, um, that is a a large portion of that is Greek Orthodox, and then you have the Armenian uh, Apostolic, and then the Roman Roman Catholic, but the Greek Orthodox play a a tremendous role in running that site. So it was very um, important for me, and it was a a wonderful... Very similar to the Church of the Sepulchre in the Old City. Yes. Now, we haven't gone there yet. That's tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll be there, and I'm very much looking forward to that as well. Yes, and I'm just curious, you know, in your travels throughout Israel, have you seen any apartheid, um, any, any um, signs that Israel treats the Arabs um, any differently than even their citizens? Mean, I'm talking about non-citizen Arabs, any differently? Well, it's very interesting. In fact, when you, when you go to um, Jerusalem, when you go to the old city, you see the Arab quarter, the Jewish quarter, and there's a Christian Orthodox uh, Orthodox Quarter as well, um, and to see uh, everyone living together is really something remarkable. You know, in New York City, we have seen an increase in anti-Semitic uh, crimes. We've seen an increase in hate crimes. So there, yes, there's been there's been crimes against Muslims, Christians, uh, and and Jews. Um, the Jewish population has seen the hate crimes double over the last year. 
uh, and the hate crimes that we do see in New York City are major, majority anti-Semitic. Um, so for me, uh, you know, it's it's about going back with a message um, that number one, we can live um, together in our community of New York City and treat with each other uh, with respect. Um, but you know, it's it's I, I and as I said, you know, yesterday and I've said the day before. Um, you know, there is a growing anti-Semitic sentiment, anti-American sentiment within the ranks of Congress, and it's the first time we're really seeing that, uh, at least in my lifetime. You know, it's, it's interesting that you say that. You know, Nicole, I, I, I've known you for many, many years. Um, I've been a, you know, a big fan, and you have really been a champion, especially as an assemblywoman from Staten Island and Southern Brooklyn. I mean, your, your, your district does touch some, some Jewish communities within Brooklyn as well. Um, but the, the, I, you know, I know you are. You know, you're here as an assemblywoman, but you you have announced that you're going to be running for Congress. And this congressional district encompasses the entire borough of Staten Island, which has uh, two Jewish communities in it. And then it goes all the way into Midwood at some sections, which also has a large amount of both um, Ashkenazic European Jewry and Sephardic um, um, Spanish-based Jewry. Um, and you've got to see it more of mix. You know, in, in Brooklyn, where it is. Two communities are very separated, but here in Israel, they're they're much they're much more um, mixed together, um, and I, 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 you know it, it's it's amazing that you have taken out time from from your schedule to come here, and the representative that represents them now has never been here. Not not only has uh, during during this time, meaning during while while his as a Congress member, he has not been here, and he has not come. He has not. Um, spoken out against uh, some of the anti-Semitic comments that have been happening in in his conference, um, and for and for you know Elliot Engel has um, he has not, and you know maybe it's cowardice, maybe he agrees with them. I, I'm not sure. Maybe he agrees that 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 you know. I think he's afraid of the radical leftists that they're going to primary him. Uh, um, yeah, I think he is. I think he's afraid that AOC will come out to primary him in Staten Island. Though I'm pretty sure she has no connection. I don't know how she would be able to, because Max Rose won claiming he was a conservative Democrat. Um, now, what's interesting is is that you know you you did a very you know you tweeted out a very nice tweet, uh, a very nice Facebook post, and he now is questioning you practically as an anti-Semite for, for, for making comments that you were moved at Yad Vashem. I mean, it, it's completely bizarre. Look, I, I, I'm, I think that um, every elected official should come to Israel. Every elected official should... Regardless of party. And should go to Yad Vashem. They really should go to Yad Vashem um, because it is a, a really moving experience, uh, really brings to life uh, what... what all the Holocaust victims experienced and how they experienced it and how horrible and horrific it was. I mean, I left there, you know, I, it was just very emotional. And um, I can say, you know, the, the cruelty that um, human beings can have toward another uh, was really exemplified uh, in that uh, memorial. Um, but I have to say that uh, it's, it's, it's very important, particularly now, that we speak out against anti-Semitism. When someone wants to change the definition of what a Nazi is, when someone wants to change the definition or diminish the definition of what a concentration camp is... You want to talk about it a little bit? And you saw it. You, you, you got to see what a concentration camp actually is. You want to talk about that for maybe a minute? I mean, it was, it was, it was just, look, it was, it was absolutely horrific. It's mind-boggling that uh, human beings would do this to another human being. 
put them in concentration camps and then and put them to death, little babies, uh, you know, families. It, it was horrifying to just see the videos of the people um, as they were being led uh, to death. And quite frankly, you know, to diminish the meaning of concentration camp is something so offensive to me. To me, I'm not, I'm not even Jewish, and I'm horrified and offended hearing people diminish the meaning of, of a concentration camp and what the Holocaust was. And I think that, you know, we now that as... You saw it, it's like much, now that you saw it, it's like a lot more real to you. You, know, you read about things in books. Um, you read about things in books. And you learn in school. And, you know, but when you come and see Yad Vashem in person, uh, it's really just unbelievable. I think it was one of the most important things I've ever done in my life, quite frankly. I really do. I think it was one of the most important and significant experiences is that I've had. Um, I really think everyone needs to do, come. Everyone needs to come. I, I know that the uh, freshman members of Congress are planning a trip to Israel. They've got to stop there, and I hope they do, or else it would be very offensive. Yeah, I mean, uh, the rumor is now that actually that trip has now been kiboshed, so they're not, as of now, they're not coming. I mean, that, that's the rumor that's coming out now. And, and one last thing, the, the, in, as elected officials, as individuals, as Americans, when you see anti-Semitism, uh, you need to denounce it and denounce it strongly. When you see... It's the canary in the coal mine for human civilization. And the fact that people are staying silent uh, when we see AOC You're and not. others... Um, say things it's it's really um it's heartbreaking yeah th thank you so much i mean i know you also got to see a little bit um of how you know you know after after the holocaust obviously the state of israel came into existence and you got to see how israel now has created a phenomenal structure um a wee bit outside of gaza uh basically of gaza city of of of, of one of the cities in gaza uh, for training and 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 you know people talk about you know we should stop giving money to Israel and you know we should stop giving aid but some of this aid went to build this and our special you got to see where our special forces um, and other units in the United States military come to train so that when they go to Afghanistan when they go into Iraq when they go into some of these other police places whether it's to um, uh, fix an issue or peacekeeping that they have the proper training you want to talk maybe a minute about what you saw there and how you also got to see a t uh, one of the terror tunnels. I think a, a, a lot of people question, uh, you know, how is it that Israel has been able to survive? It's such a small, small nation, such a small sliver of land. How, how has... Israel's one is one one hundred and seventieth of the Middle East. Well, and, and so the question becomes, how have they been able to protect themselves being so small? And it's because of the Israeli army uh, and the, their, their training... Um, and it was interesting to see, you know, where uh, American troops have come to train alongside uh, our ally uh, to protect Israel. And, I, I, you know, it's just certainly I, I appreciate the service of our military uh, men and women um, and really gives them opportunity, particularly coming from a completely different climate and continent, on how they were able to train under the conditions in the Middle East. Uh, and really, it's hot here. It, it, it's hot. Just following them around for the day was exhausting. I can't imagine if I had to run and do activities and drills uh, in that way. Yeah, and, so and, and Nicole, you're probably the best in shape out of everybody here. With you, you, you know, everyone knows that you're, you know, uh, the yoga instructor of uh, of Albany. Well, so, I don't know about that. Oh um, uh, no, not anymore. Well, you, you have people there. Lately, so uh, oh, like, really? Oh, okay. I gotta watch out now. Yeah. So. Uh,
at Bay Ridge. I challenged AOC to a boxing match, and um, she hasn't accepted yet. But oh, okay. So, hey, wait, for charity, you know, hey, Ilan Omar, you've been challenged. Let's see. AOC, I, I think, you know, both from New York City. Election, though. Be I give her an advantage yeah. on age, so she's younger than I am, so, you know, give her that advantage because yeah. I am a, a trained boxer. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, again, Nicole, thank you so much for taking our time to come to the land of Israel. Um, you know, your, your district, um, the, the Jews that live in your district, I'm sure are going to be um, extremely happy to find out that you, you know, it, you know, Nicole actually has not really told anyone that she was coming. This was not done as a publicity stunt. There was no media advisory that was issued. Right, no media advisory. She did this quietly. You know, obviously she's using social media to say that she's here only because she's finding her time here extremely moving. And she actually has been, you know, she was saying, like, you know, everyone needs to see this. Everyone needs to see this. She's, she really has had a pretty emotional time here. The land of Israel is really a place where, you know, Jews, Christians, Muslims, atheists, Everybody has, everyone, if they trace their family back far enough, will have a history that touches this country. So, um, Chesky, you have anything else you want to say? We're uh, going to sign off here from the Holy Land. Yeah, I just wanted to ask um, the future congresswoman. Um, if you were in my district, I'd definitely vote for you. Thank you. Um, which, uh, God willing, you know, maybe if you could have like a domino effect, you could maybe help influence, influence other districts in New York to bring a Republican in again. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to ask you quickly, as, a, as an American, do you, do you have like, from what descent are, are you? Well, what's your nationality? Is your oh, part? Um, I'm, uh, my father is Greek and my mother is Cuban, Cuban refugee actually. Uh, right. So, a real refugee. Well, she's a refugee who fled uh, the Castro right, regime so, in 1959. So, so your, your, your mother, who's a refugee from Cuba, she escaped the horrors of communism, right? Yes. Was, would it be fair to say that she was a proud American and was so grateful about what America stood for? Well, actually, my, both my parents who are immigrants are um, probably the most patriotic people that I know. Uh, they love this and country, and because of the opportunity it afforded... I've met them. They are. And you know, by the way, that's also, I think, a common thread by all... refugees um, 20, 30 years ago and further back who came from Eastern European and from communist-influenced countries who had the opportunity to get to the United States and escape tyranny that they appreciated what American standard for and like American exceptionalism and and nationalism and the republic that we all have the, I guess... Honor yeah, I mean, like you, you, go, you don't even have to go far back. You know, a lot of Jews when they came after the Holocaust, you know, talk about Yad Vashem. Yes, exactly. um, uh, Rabbi, if I remember correctly, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, who was one of the great rabbis in the last generation, and, um, and uh, used to say um, that on, on certain days that you know he used to tell certain people that you know the date the day that they they, they became an American citizen. Yes. All right, Moses Feinstein also, right, Moshe Feinstein. They considered it a quasi-holiday, the day they swore allegiance to the United States. And Rav Yaakov used to have, for his, from, what I remember, from what I've been told, had a picture of him being sworn in in his house. He was an extremely proud American. So was Rav Moshe Feinstein. And, 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 and many, many, Rav Victor Miller, so many um, rabbis from the, old, from the last generation, the, you know, the first, I guess you could say, you know, great generation of American rabbis that, that you know, coming from, Europe, from the European schools, were extremely proud Americans. Um, I know in Yeshiva University, um, in Ner Israel, in, 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 you know, they used to say on Thanksgiving, go home, go, go to your family, go have dinner. 
it's not so common today, but but there were things, you know... But I these think were, that all of these ideas like that he's talking about was a common thread amongst many of us who grew up in either homes where our parents or our grandparents were, or our great-grandparents who we saw were immigrants and... Were, yeah, I mean, were both, a, both myself and Chesky. ...who appreciated American exceptionalism. And I'm just, like, curious, like, like what do you think about some of the freshmen right now in Congress who um, the president, as you know, is getting a lot of flack for his tweets. I personally don't find them offensive at all. But You're not allowed to say that because you're not a person of color. Right. Of course not. But we're a bigger minority than they are. But I'm at, yeah, I'm actually Jewish and Jews are a minority in America. Didn't the court just... Yeah, about a year ago. We're a, we're a protected minority now. A minority now. So I'm also saying that it's, to me, not offensive. I think that if people come to the United States and do not show appreciation for what it stands for, then what exactly are they coming to the United States for? And I think that it's like, why is it like, why is that considered by the left racist? Maybe you could like help me I, I, I think this is, so a couple of things. One, I think that there are even American citizens that don't show an appreciation for living in this country, and perhaps because they don't know anything else. They don't know how the other parts of the world live. Do you see this as a failure of our education system? No, I think it's just, look, it, it's just, it, it, it their experiences. They lack the experience of knowing what it's like to live under, you know, a totalitarian, a, a communist, a socialist regime, you know, a dictator. Well, I mean, Ilhan Omar lived in Somalia. And that, and so that brings me to the second point. So there's some who just burn the American flag on Independence Day, and they just are ingrates. They don't appreciate that they grew up in the most special country in the world. And those people should go and explore what it's like to live in communist Cuba or in Venezuela or in Russia to see it, or in North Korea. They were these same people yeah. were freaking out that the that the tariffs in Mexico would make their uh, their 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 um, products made from avocados go up. Yeah, and then you have an individual like Ilan Omar who is a Somali refugee and she's not showing an appreciation for this country. Look, our country is so special that when she's an immigrant, she's an immigrant, a refugee from Somalia and she became a United States Congresswoman. If that doesn't show you how special America is, and, and it's not even in that, it's not. It's not like she's like seventy and she emigrated like seven, 40 years ago. She was. She she came here a few years ago. It wasn't that long ago that she was a Somalian, and now she's in Congress. That shows you what the American dream is that you can do that and become a United States Congressperson. And if she doesn't have an appreciation. Uh, for this country and how great it is, and she really does need a, uh, to get a reality check. Absolutely. And so, you know, I, and I feel strongly about about American citizens too. You know, experiencing what life is like outside of America. You know, um, you know, they won't want to complain about capitalism, but yet they want, you know, the they com- they complain they complain about capitalism from their I- brand new iPhone or, or Samsung. So I, I think you know I have uh, an appreciation. Uh, because of the experiences of my mother, because my mother fled a communist country. And I think that, you know, people need to um, see things firsthand, which is why I'm here in Israel, you know, to experiencing things firsthand. And and we thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And uh, we hope to bring you again as a Congress member. You lead the delegation. Yeah, you're going to say, well, I've been here already, so I can tell you, take you around and... uh, 
Since Max Rose won't take uh, Ilan Omar and uh, AOC. Hey, maybe you could take a bipartisan Sharon, trip. I will, I will extend the invitation. Absolutely, and we extend the invitation. We have no problems bringing Ilan Omar. We will bring them into the Arab territory. We have no problem showing them, you know, what they consider to be an even-keeled uh, message. We let them speak to whoever they want to speak to. They can see that, you know, Arabs, Muslims, Arab Christians, Jewish, uh, uh, um, uh, Jews, um, uh, European Christians can walk all over the state of Israel. Yet when we go into Bethlehem, we were told by security, take your uh, kippah, your yarmulke off, the skull cap that Orthodox Jewish men wear. We were not allowed to wear it in. We, they, as far as they knew, we were not even Jewish or, or, or Israeli. Um, we were just Americans coming to Bethlehem. And, um, you know, that was the first time I've ever experienced apartheid, but it wasn't in Israel. I mean, it was in Israel, but not in uh, Israel-controlled territory. It was what we call um, uh, Area A, which is controlled by the Palestinian Authority. Um, so we're going to sign off now. You know, we're, we're, we're now back in Jerusalem after being uh, uh, down on the, um, the true West Bank, I guess you could say. We were literally on the West Bank of the Dead Sea. And... Um, I guess signing off here uh, from the from the old city of from from right outside the old city. We're looking right now at the wall of the old city of Jerusalem. Signing off here on a trip. Uh, Chesky, any quick thoughts about the trip so far? Yeah, I think it's really cool that Dr. Frager puts these things together. I think it's really amazing. It does a lot of good. Um, Thirty-five years we've been doing this. Yeah, and every year these. Well, not me. I'm not old every enough. Every year these trips get better, and I've been on a trip before, and this is my second time participating with Dr. Frager and I just love the crowd that he brings out and the gravitas of the personalities really I think makes an impact and I hope that I mean these are trips that you actually see changes on the ground especially in the United States where not far after our trip with certain you know, I'm not going to you know out certain people but we brought people that were extremely close with the president and literally within months of, of them seeing the Golan Heights magically, the president decides that, oh, yep, the Golan Heights is important. Look, I'm not saying our trips are like... It's influential. Are, are, I'm not saying it's the reason. No, I'm not, I'm not that I think, deluded. No, no, but I think that we definitely are making an impact. I think that, like, taking a, taking a hopefully a future congresswoman like Nicole of really makes an impact because this is... We have Claudia Tenney here as well. Because she... Yeah, I'm saying also hopefully we're going to have Claudia as well in Congress. And I think that having those two women seeing things that they would have not seen on other trips that they would have come on for whatever the reasons are makes a huge difference. And I hope that uh, we're going to get these people out. And yeah, I mean, it's... it's, it's um, yeah, let's, we're going we're gonna to also talk to Cla uh, Claudia, hopefully. Yeah, we're going to talk to Claudia. We're hopefully going to get her on today. If not, we'll, have, we'll, we'll splice that into next week's podcast. Um, she's hopefully going to be running in... Uh, Way upstate, the real upstate. Now, you know, we like uh, what many Jews call upstate, which is like Lower Hudson Valley. It's literally the bottom of New York. Um, but it's upstate for Brooklyn, so, you know, there's that. But we're talking about, you know, literally like the, the tip of the, of, of the West. Um, so signing off here from Jerusalem, the holy city, the eternal city and capital of the Jewish people. Have a great night.